how many of you, uh, when you were a kid, ever thought about uh, having a lemonade stand? Just curious. All right. My grandkids the other day, they uh, made paper airplanes. They wanted to go out and sell them. And I'm like, and who's going to buy these? But um, yeah. I remember as a, a kid, I would have been about in second grade at the time. I was living in Key West, Florida. And I saw some kids with a lemonade stand. And I thought, that's cool. That looks really cool. It looks like fun. And so I went over and I was talking to them and I wanted to know how many lemonades they had sold and how long they had been doing it. And I didn't realize it at the time, but what I was doing was kind of a a cost-benefit analysis. And uh, what I determined really quick was that a lemonade stand was not a good investment. And so it got me thinking, you know, what can I do? What can I do? And so I, I started thinking about things and I remembered everybody on the island kind of went crazy about the sodas that I had. And you got to understand a couple things for this to make any sense at all. But first of all, I was a service brat. And by brat, I would mean brat, okay? But my family was one of the few families that did not live on base. And we lived in a, in a trailer park, uh, on, actually on Stock Island. And so I got all of my sodas at the PX, all right? And that was on the naval base. In other words, it was not available to everybody else on the island. And uh, the second thing you got to understand is very isolated in those days. We had one major grocery store that was shared by 10 islands down there. Soda selection, very small, very small. So I got this great idea, and I thought, I am going to start Damon's Pop Shop. 15 different sodas, things like Bing Cherry and Strawberry and Coconut, those weren't available unless you lived on the base. And uh, so I made up a flyer. I actually still have one of the flyers. And uh, I uh, made up this flyer. And I took it to every single trailer in the trailer park. And I listed my inventory, very creative names I came up with, like uh, I had Blackbeard Cherry and Pirate's Pineapple and Captain Kid Cream and stuff like that. I also, I think I was ahead of my time, I had a 15-minute guaranteed delivery or it was free. (laughs) It wasn't a big trailer park, all right? (laughs) I had an opening special. Now, you can tell I hadn't thought this quite out, but if you bought five sodas, you got a popsicle free. And so I had hours of operation, four to seven. Rain, sleet, or snow is on the flyer. Key West humor, all right? (laughs) And I went home, and I sat by the phone, waiting. And the calls started coming in. In the first week, I sold three or four cases of soda. The second week, ten cases of soda. And it kept climbing, and it finally kind of leveled off, and I was doing 15 to 20 cases a week at 100% markup. All right? I thought, this is the life. Maybe I can quit school. Talk to my parents about it. (laughs) I really did. I went to them. I said, I don't think I need school. I was a hard kid to raise, by the way. Anyway, my parents vetoed it. But 
I really, my mind started racing. I, I started thinking about Damon's pop shops across the country, all the way from Key West to Seattle. And it was just consume me, kind of. It's all I did. From four to seven, every day, I would deliver sodas around the neighborhood. I'd get a call, I'd pack my order, I'd jump on my bike, pedal as fast as I can, because I got to beat that 15-minute guarantee. I got beat a couple times. But, and I had to get there before the popsicle melted. That's what I didn't think out. I'd race home, and I'd do it again. If I got really busy... I would get one of my friends, and I would offer them a soda if they would help me make a couple deliveries, because it was better to give one soda away than the whole order, in my mind. This was awesome through the summer. And then school started, and it got really complicated, because I would race home from school, and that's all I did all evening. Again, from four to seven, just deliver sodas. My friends would see me. They'd go, hey, Damon, we're going fishing. You want to go? No, I got deliveries to make. Damon, we're going to play football. You want to play football? No, I got deliveries to make. Six months in, I thought, you know what? This is just not working. And so it was kind of consuming, this commitment that I had made. And I hit what I would call a defining moment. And I had a choice to make. And so what I did, I pared back. Only on the weekends could you get the soda. And I encourage people to buy for the week, you know, at, at that time. But Because, you know what, I wanted to have fun. I wanted some pocket change. And I was committed, but not that committed. I really wanted things kind of on my own terms. And I think we've all had moments like that, haven't we? Just about anything you do, you you face that moment. I mean, it's not just in the business world. I I think it's true in relationships. I mean, ask anybody that's dating. You you have this point where in that relationship, one, one person or the other will ask you to DTR it, right? Define the relationship. You know, through the years, I, I've known guys, and they panic when they, they don't want to have the DTR talk. They're, they're scared. I mean, it scares them to death. Remember, years ago, a guy I got to be pretty close to, he called me one day. He said, Damon, I need to talk, man. So I caught him for lunch, and um, come to find out, he was facing the DTR. He had avoided the conversation somehow. I don't know how, but he did. And finally, she just drew the line in the sand and said, time to pony up here. She wanted to clarify the relationship. And he did not understand why. I remember sitting with him at lunch, and, and he, goes, he goes, why is she pushing things? We've only been together for two years. It's true. And in my mind, I'm thinking... Are you kidding me? A couple years and you're surprised? You know, and I started digging in, you know, talking to him about his history. And what I realized was he had a history of being with someone for two, three years. And and then when they couldn't stand it anymore, they'd demand clarification about their relationship. And he'd bolt. He He would just take off. After listening to him for for a while, I, I finally said, I said, 
you know, it sounds like you got commitment issues. He said, I don't think so. He said, but I'm, but I'm open to some advice. And so we, we talked for a while. And then I said, can I suggest you take a read of a book? And I gave it to him. It was dealing with commitment phobias. And uh, so I gave him the book. I saw him a couple weeks later. I go, how are things going? He goes, not good. I said, have, have you been reading the book? No, I just can't bring myself to read the book. He says, besides, I don't think I have a commitment issue. And I said, well, it sounds like you're really committed to that, aren't you? Not finding things out. Really committed. Things didn't go well. He avoided having the DTR talk. But he DTR'd it anyway, didn't he? I mean, how many of you can remember having that conversation with someone? Let me see hands. Come on. Anybody ever have it on a first date? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's scary, isn't it? Yeah. Young, young people, young people, listen up. If someone asks you on a first date to define the relationship, here's my advice to you. This is free. Run, run. <laughs> Cindy and I had that DTR talk almost 25 years ago. In fact, it has been over 25 years. Changed my life. What I want to do over the next several weeks is we're going to have a DTR talk. We're going to examine our relationship with Jesus Christ. We're going to define the relationship that we have. And I understand that for some of you, you're here today, and this is kind of like a first date. And so what I want to say to you, that as you're trying to check things out and investigate, you're trying to maybe figure out who Jesus Christ is, you know, how God fits in your life. If you're not exactly sure about that, then I want you to take a deep breath and just listen this morning. But most of us in the room today, most of us need to DTR our relationship. We need to define our relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, the relationship that Jesus invites us into, that, that he clearly uh, clarifies. He lays out what it means to, to be a follower. Luke 9.23, it says, Then he said to them all, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. I think for some of you, this will be a welcome series, a welcome talk, because I believe you're ready. You're ready to take things to a different level. You're, you're past the, the casual, uh, convenient mentality, and you really want something more. You want to be more devoted, more committed. think you're ready for the talk today. But some, you should be ready. But you're not. Why? Well, you kind of like the arrangement you've got. You really like coming to church, you know, sipping on some coffee, talking to friends, maybe hearing the band, listening to the message. And if someone were to ask you, you'd say, you know what, it's a great part of my weekend. You know, it's a great part. And some of you have been doing it for a while. You should define your relationship with Jesus Christ. 
But there's something you kind of resist. You you don't want to go there. And I believe part of it is we bought into this ignorance is bliss mentality. You know know what I'm talking about? Because some of you are thinking, oh, don't rock my boat, man. I mean, really, I I don't want to deal with this. I'll I'll get serious when things settle down, when the kids get a little bit older. Then, Then I'll get serious. But right now, there's just a lot of things I want to do. And so, you know, I'm going to kind of back burner it. See, we, we want this casual relationship with all the benefits, but none of the commitment. We want a no-strings-attached arrangement uh, where we could connect once in a while when it works for us. And when things work, we're pretty happy, but what we want to do is kind of hold it at arm's length because we don't want it to really mess with our lives too much. You know, the idea of changing, it kind of scares you a little bit. Defining things creates a lot of anxiety. In fact, I'm going to guess right now, for some, you just want to run because if the truth were known, you're really into being a fan follower? Not so much. Not so much. Today what I want to do is define. Help you start defining your relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I want to be very clear. Not defining your neighbor's relationship or your co-worker's relationship or your spouse's relationship or your kid's relationship. Define your relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, Bono uh, from U2, he uh, is quoted as saying, we thought that we had all the answers, but it was the questions that we had wrong. What I want to do today is ask the right questions. I think these are questions that normally we don't ask ourselves. They, they're, in fact, they're questions that probably are going to make us a little uncomfortable this morning. But I believe they're questions that can change your life. And and here's the main question, and we're going to talk about this throughout the whole series, but the main question is, are you a fan or a follower of Jesus Christ? And I know some of you are going, well, wait a minute. We're, We're all followers. That's why we're here, Damon. That's why we come every week. But, but I want to be careful because sometimes we answer questions and we don't really understand them. You know, the word fan is defined in the dictionary as an enthusiastic follower. We're all fans of different things, right? And in fact, let me just get a pulse. Any Cardinal fans here today? Huh? Somebody caught me a few few minutes before I came on, they go, Damon, this is what it feels like to be in the postseason. I'm a pirate fan, so. <laughs> but we're all fans of something. And we, we, there are a lot of sports fans in this church. In fact, I see a lot of jerseys from time to time running around. Sometimes I sport my jerseys. And uh, I think we understand the concept of being a fan when it comes to sports. I think we get that. 
But the concern is that faith fellowship could easily become a church full of fans. And I want to tell you, Jesus was never impressed with the size of a crowd. He was impressed with the commitment that people had. That's what his real concern was. And I think if you're not careful, it's real easy to become a fan. You come together every, every week because you're a fan of Jesus. That's why you come. You know, you come in, you listen to the music, stand up, sit down, applaud at the right times. And you leave thinking, hey, this is all done for me. Get in your car, become the armchair quarterback. All right? You know how that goes, right? You get in the car and you go, all right, let's think about the song selection for the morning, the message, and you go thumbs up, thumbs down. Didn't like that. Do you like that song? I didn't like that song. Did you hear what he said this morning? I can't believe he said that. And, and you kind of vote that way. The fact is, I, I know it's easy to become a fan. In fact, we got big fans around here sometimes. Really get into things. They know all the songs. Maybe, you know, quote a scripture and they're racing. They're the first ones to find it in their Bible. And it feels good to be a fan. But what I want to be clear about is knowing about Jesus Christ is not the same thing as knowing Jesus. Does that make sense? There's a difference between knowledge and and intimacy. And I believe sometimes we've made the mistake that knowledge and good behavior makes you a follower of Jesus Christ. And the fact is, you can know all about Jesus. You can walk like a Christian. You can talk like a Christian. I won't break out in song, okay? But if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ... You're just a fan. You're just a fan. A relationship where you talk every day to Jesus, where you listen to, to God and the Holy Spirit in your life to speak into your life, to move you, to allow God to guide you and change you. See, fans, fans don't mind dealing with Jesus once a week on Sunday. Fans, they don't mind making some minor changes in their life. You know, a little, little brush up, a little clean up's okay, all right? Jesus Christ wants to change your life. He's not interested in doing some cosmetic little things. The fact is he wants to completely remodel. He wants to tear it all down, put a new foundation in. Christ didn't come to this earth so we'd be better behaved, so that we'd tweak our personality a little bit, tune up our manners, become a little more polite. He didn't come just to smooth it out, to kind of smooth out those rough spots that we all have. He wanted total transformation. Scripture says the old's gone, the new's come. Jesus Christ never cared about having fans. He wanted followers. So are you a fan or a follower? How do you figure that out? 
I've got three questions we're going to look at today that I think will help determine, help you begin to define that. The first one is, why are you here? Why are you here? If you read through the Gospels, Jesus regularly was kind of drawing lines in in the sand, lines that separated the, the fan from the follower. Jesus was at the height of his popularity. I mean, a lot of people were, were gathering. They, they wanted to get a glimpse of Jesus, hoping to see a miracle. Scripture says in John 6, huge crowds followed him. Again, he said he's at the height of his ministry, attracted by the miracles that they had seen him do. They're gathering around. It doesn't say that they were gathering to hear the message. They weren't gathering to get a life-changing lesson. They were there for something else, weren't they? They were there to see a miracle. Get a free lunch, maybe. I mean, why are you here? Is it because of hey, they got free coffee, comfy seats, music, connection with friends, because you enjoy the chit-chat that happens. Don't misunderstand me. Those are all fine. Those are good things. I enjoy all those things. But there comes a point where there's got to be more. You've got you to define the relationship at some point. Now, Jesus, he's he's surrounded by a huge crowd in in the story in John 6. There's a crowd of 5,000, what Scripture says. Now, a lot of people believe there may have been 15 or 20,000 there because in that day, it wasn't right, but in that day, they just counted the men. And so there would have been women and children, so the crowd may have been much larger. Jesus performs this miracle. He, He feeds the crowd with five loaves of bread and two fish. And it was a miracle. It was a miracle. And it's what they had come to see. The next day, apparently through the night, Jesus had changed places, you know. And uh, they, had, they went to find him. They wanted to see what he was going to do. Maybe another miracle. Maybe maybe he'll, he'll feed us all again. Free food, this will be good. They're, they're pressing, they're, they're excited. And Jesus looks at the crowd and he sees a lot of fans. And it's interesting because that entire chapter, I encourage you to read it this week, he challenges all the people that were gathered. He challenges them to have a deeper relationship with him. It's a very poignant message that he delivers. John 6, 66 I think it's one of the saddest scriptures in the Bible. It says, after Jesus said this, after he'd preached and taught about having a relationship with him, it says, many of his followers left him and stopped following him. He just went home. Jesus doesn't chase him down. He doesn't go, oh, don't, don't go, don't go. No, instead, he, he, he says, let's define the relationship. This is what I want, this kind of relationship with you. 
And what he offered them, what he required, it wasn't what they wanted. And so they left and they stopped following. Why are you here? Is it the excitement, the buzz? Is it more about what Jesus could do for you? Say, I want to challenge you to define your relationship. You know, Jesus Christ is present here because he wants a deeper relationship with you. I think the first question you've got to ask yourself, why are you here? The second one is, are you all in? You know, becoming a follower of Jesus Christ requires complete commitment. You know, following Jesus means you do whatever it takes to follow him. You know, absolute loyalty, fully surrendered, completely committed. You know, and I know we struggle with that whole thing of commitment. Instead of uh, absolute commitment, we prefer selective commitment. True? I mean, we opt to kind of customize Christianity. You know, when it comes to my relationship with, with God, I'm going to follow Jesus, but I'm going to kind of pick and choose what areas I'm going to follow. Yeah. This area, I'm, I'm in, man. I believe this with all my heart. This well, this area, it's my own business. I'm going to follow you, Lord. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. But, but don't ask me to forgive them. I mean, they hurt me. Forgive them? I don't think so. I'm going to follow Jesus. But, but don't talk to me about money. It's mine. I've worked hard in the discussion. I'll follow but when it comes to this area and this area and that one over there, well, you need to stay out of it. So, so I play it kind of loose. I mean, it's my body. I'll hook up with whoever I want to. It's old-fashioned. I mean, don't ask me to abstain. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, but I want what I want. And we customize, and we compartmentalize, and we compromise. And we follow Jesus when it's comfortable. When we agree with it. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower. But I'm not all in. And friends, if you're not all in, you're a fan. You just got to own it. You know, it's kind of like if you're married. How many, how many people are married? Let me see hands. All right. My wife, Cindy, I wanna, how do you think this would fly with her? If I was to go to her today at lunch and say, Cindy, I love you. I love you. I am committed to you. You're the most important thing to me. But I enjoy spending time with other girls. We're just going to do a few things my way for a change. So deal with it. She'd deal with it, all right. (laughs) Can you say body bag? You know. I'd be a dead man. That would not fly. 
If you're not all in, then you're fan. Being a follower of Jesus Christ doesn't come with an option of selective commitment. No bargaining, no compromise. Don't get a pick and choose. Don't get a customize. When you decide to be a follower, when you decide to take that step, it's all in. It's all in. And I know fans don't like that idea of all in. Fans are not wild about sacrifice or denying themselves the things that they desire. I mean, fans prefer to pick and choose what areas they'll follow and what areas they won't. So we're trying to define the relationship. First question, why are you here? Are you all in? Have you made it your own? Many of us started going to church because of our parents. Mom and dad made you. Wasn't an option. In fact, I'm just curious. How many of you started church that way? Your parents took you to church when you were young. All right, quite a few of us. Some of you started coming to church because of a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a spouse. And so you came with them to appease them, kind of, and to spend time with them. And I think what happens is, if you grow up in the, the church, or if you um, are appeasing somebody, and that's why you come, it's really easy to become a fan. It's kind of like if you carpool with someone, and they're like really into a certain group, and so they kick on the iPod or the CD or whatever, and let's just say it's like U2 music. And every day, to work and from work, they're always listening to it. Eventually, what happens is some of that music grows on you as you're riding with them. Gets in your head. You know, maybe you start humming Beautiful Day or Pride or whatever. And in a way, even though you weren't a U2 fan, you kind of become a U2 fan. Because you start to kind of like their music. And I think that's what happens in church sometimes. You, you start coming, maybe to appease someone, maybe because your parents put a little pressure on. And after a while, you go, I kind of like the music. I kind of like things around here. I recognize some of the stories that they talk about. Even get a little something out of the message. But you're no longer in that investigating phase where you're checking things out, trying to figure out where God fits. No, you've moved past that. You're just settled in. Just settled in. Because you're a fan. And friends, I want to tell you, it's a dangerous place to be. If your faith isn't your own, if you aren't pursuing, actively pursuing a relationship with Jesus Christ, If you get to a point, you just come and you settle in. What you do, you kind of numb yourself to real faith, to God moving. So there's no sacrifice, there's no growth. We're just comfortable. And I want to say to you, at some point, you've got to make it your own. See, Jesus Christ isn't looking for a relationship with you through your mom and dad. 
It's not looking for a relationship with you through your husband or through your wife or through your kids. He's looking for a relationship with you. I think it's one of the reasons Jesus said these words. Luke 14, it says, If you want to be my disciples, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father and mother, your wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciples. When, when you read that, I mean, there's something in all of us that kind of goes, wait a minute. Does that say hate? Did he say hate? I mean, the idea Jesus is pressing here is that it's kind of like having a list. You ever have a list of priorities? And so you do a list on who you love, Jesus says. So you go, okay, Jesus first. And what we do as Christians, because we're used to putting lists together, we go, okay, Jesus first, my wife second, my kids are third, and so on down the line. And we create these positions, right? Because it's how we think. What Jesus is saying is he's conveying the idea that as you look at your list, it says Jesus first, It's exclusive. There's no one else on the list. No other competition. Because he's the only one on the list. And what we we fail to understand, he says, if you make your list that way, then everything else falls in place. Yes, I love my wife. Yes, I love my kids. Yes, I love my grandkids. I love what I do for a living. All that stuff falls in place, but the list is Jesus, period. Fans, fans get their list out, and they're trying to juggle all kinds of things. Jesus is just one of a lot of things that we do. Jesus says, no, 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 no. No other competition. No other by comparison. That's what he's saying there. Friends, this isn't about anyone else. This series isn't about anyone else. It's about you and your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's about searching your heart over the next few weeks and asking yourself, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Or are you a fan of Jesus Christ? Now, I'm asking over the next six weeks that we take some extra steps as, as a family. And one, that you make it a, a priority to be here every weekend. The second thing I would encourage you to do is sign up for a small group. They, we're starting tonight, 5 o'clock. We've got groups that are meeting on Tuesday at 7 o'clock tonight. There are uh, pizza afterwards, and uh, the Cardinal games have been moved way back, so you don't even have a conflict, all right? So maybe you were thinking that, weren't you? <laughs> Basically, the evening, you watch a 30-minute video. 
you break into small groups and discuss the video. And someone asked me, oh, do I, I had to have read the book to be a part. No, just come, watch the video, be in small groups and talk about that. I would encourage you to pick up the book. I think it's, it's helpful. I think you'll find it a great read. Uh, I know it's one of the best books I've picked up in a long time. You want to enrich it, take it up a level. Uh, there are prayer journals available that you can use through this series. And uh, I just encourage you with that. I am going to post on a daily basis kind of a thought for the day. And you can follow on our website, uh, ffworship.com. Or you can follow on Facebook. Uh, if you uh, use Twitter, go to at Talk on the town, and uh, they'll, they'll all be the same, so you don't have to go all three places. But it's another way to kind of get your day rolling, uh, get thinking about something, and kind of bridge this all together. So let, let's bow in a word of prayer together. Our holy God, God, we praise you, and we thank you. You have created fearfully, wonderfully. God, I know you long to have a relationship with us above all else. To just connect, to talk, to lead. God, I pray that we'd put you first, you alone. God, I ask that you would Just help each one of us to evaluate, to look, to be honest with ourselves. Maybe we've been a fan for a long time. God, I pray you give us strength and the courage to change all that, to be a follower, to be what you created us to be, called us to be. God, I thank you for the opportunities you place around us thank you that you're a God that wants to relate to be active in our lives God I just thank you thank you for that promise of relationship thank you for that relationship that you've seen me through so much there are many others here that would say the same. God, we just surrender ourselves to you this morning. And we love you. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen.